0: All right, boys, are you ready? Yes. OK. Bedtime Story, Adventure 2018, Chapter 19 Tomorrow, Lord Ratzenberg is going to try and turn the power off for the whole of Brighton, Jenny began. His plan is to connect the wind farm to the town electrical supply, which will overload it. He's going to use the clock tower Christmas lights as the trigger. When they are turned on, the whole town's power will blow. We're going to stop him, James said, and we need your help. Tomorrow we're going to sneak into the caverns under the West Pier and sabotage his cable. Eleanor, will the gallery be open tomorrow? Everyone turned and looked at the little girl. She nodded. Can you and Laurie think of a way of distracting your dad, James asked. We're going to try and access the caverns through his gallery. I think so, Eleanor said. Thanks, James said. To stop the cable, we need wire cutters and electrical insulators, Jenny said. Rubber gloves to protect us and electrical tape and insulators for the cable. We've done some research, James began. Then Hugo cleared his throat loudly. I mean, Hugo's done some research, and it turns out that any kind of putty works as an insulator. So if you don't have any electrical tape... Look around for putty and goo. We'll glow in the dark putty work, Fred asked. I got loads of that. Yes, Hugo said. That would be perfect for the caverns too. Don't forget torches. We'll need them. We also need some weapons in case we have to fight any rats, Jenny said. No, we don't, Wilf said. We can't go round whacking rats. That's barbaric. They've got weapons, Jenny said. Sharp ones. It doesn't matter, Wilf said. No weapons. I won't let any rat be harmed. Joanne put up her hand. Yes, James said. Wilf has pet rats, she said. That's why he doesn't want any to be harmed. Okay, James said, seeing the stubborn look on Wilf's face. Then we're going to have to come up with some kind of humane way of protecting ourselves. The bell went for the end of break time. Everyone should meet at 10am tomorrow, Hugo said. The Christmas lights won't be turned on until after 4pm, when it gets dark, so that gives us lots of time. Meet at the bottom of the I-360. If anyone thinks of anything else, Jenny said, make sure you tell us at lunchtime or at the end of the day. We'll wait by the gate. The gang dispersed back to class. James, Jenny and Hugo continued to plan and plot. Hugo checked the weather and the tide times. James really wanted to speak to Old Joe before they went underground. Any extra information they could get before going into the Wellsbourne caverns would be useful. You never knew what you would find down there. It looked like the best time to try and get out to see the cormorant at the West Pier would be just before eight. The weather forecast said the sea would be calm and there wasn't much wind. Later in the day was rain and storms. By the end of the day, the three-year sevens had come up with a plan. The morning would be all about foiling Ratzenberg's plan. Then, once they'd done that, they would rendezvous with Elf to deal with Graf. Hopefully, Elf and Zen had worked out a way of trapping the wolf. It was the snake, Rask, that Jenny was worried about, but they would have to climb that hill when they reached it. Eleanor had remembered that her dad would be going swimming if the weather was good, She said that she would tell him that she wanted to go to the beach that morning, and she thought she could get his key. That was perfect, as that would give them time to check that there really was a way into the caverns in the gallery's toilet. If they couldn't get through, then they'd have to find another entrance. Everyone in the gang said they would do their best to find an excuse to be at the beach for 10am, preferably with their parents somewhere else. And that was it. School was over. Time for the gang to get ready. It was dark and cold in his room when James woke up on Saturday morning. The house central heating hadn't turned on yet. Sliding quietly out of his covers, James shivered and got dressed. The night before he'd got everything ready, and he told his parents he was going out early to work on his project at the maker workshop in town. He took his big rucksack downstairs and had cereal for breakfast. The only thing he was really dreading was going in the cold sea. Over summer, he'd done some snorkelling in northern France, and his parents had bought him a cheap wetsuit from Decathlon. He also had fins for his feet and a mask. But he still knew the water would feel icy cold. Before he put his shoes on, he opened the understair cupboard and pulled out his old bodyboard. There was no way he was going to swim unaided to the West Pier in the middle of December. Coat on. Rucksack on, shoes on, board under arm, squiduckin key safe on a lanyard round his neck. He was ready. He quietly left his house and stepped out into the dark street. The going was slow, with the bodyboard and the bag and the dark and the rubbish. Plus there was a frost, making parts of the pavement slippery. His breath formed a little cloud in the freezing air. He pulled his gloves on and got going. It was just before 7am, and he had an hour to get down to the I-360 and catch the low tide. Jenny met him between the huge metal stanchions. It was not completely dark. There was a grey light growing above the horizon in the east, but you could still see the stars in the clear sky to the west. The Black Sea was slick and smooth, the waves hardly bigger than the ripples in the shallow end of a swimming pool. "'Are you sure about this?' she said. I think we know enough already. I don't, James said, dumping the contents of his rucksack onto the stones. If old Joe has anything useful to say, it could be really helpful. Besides, look how calm it is. It'll be a piece of cake. The salty air had put pay to the pavement frost two streets away from the beach, but that didn't mean it felt warm on the stones. James already had his swimming shorts on under his clothes. When he took his coat off, he felt goosebumps over his body down to just his shorts and his teeth started chattering. He quickly yanked on the wetsuit. It felt damp inside, even though it was five months since he'd last used it. Jenny helped him with the zip. He pulled his mask over his eyes, gathered up his fins and bodyboard, and hobbled barefoot across the stones to the water's edge. A tiny wave lapped his toes. He winced. The water felt much colder than the air, even though he knew it wasn't. Good luck. Jenny said. Thanks. Imagine it's a warm bath, he said to himself, walking slowly into the frigid water. It felt better against his wetsuit than it did against his bare skin. He took a few steps, then sat down and pulled his fins onto his feet. The water on his bare hands was so cold it burned. But at least his arms, body and legs felt good, and he wasn't planning on putting his head underwater. Fins on, he stood up, pushed his bodyboard out in front of him, carefully laid his chest onto it, and kicked slowly out toward the black skeleton of the old, burned pier.